of Rare Disease and Medical Challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is, how do we adapt? That's the focus of It Happened to Me. We help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, hosts Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you. This episode of It Happened to Me has been split into two parts due to the length of the interview. Part two follows. So this trial, he was put on some sort of um, weight control medication. Is that? Well, yeah. So it set melanotide uh, made by Rhythm Pharmaceuticals uh, uh-huh. and it made it through phase two. So we were really excited to be part of phase three. In fact, I think they yes. tried it out like on Prater Willie or some of these. Yeah, others. I think that's, I yes. think, you know, I, I'm so appreciative. I, I know it's terrible to have Prater Willie, but I'm, I'm so thankful for the Prater Willie community because I think a lot of, I think the drugs that, that or the drug that was developed to help uh, control Everett's weight was probably researched and developed in hopes of being able to treat the Prater Willie community because that's a much larger community. Yeah, because then, uh-huh. pharmaceutical companies aren't necessarily keen to work with no. nano rare diseases. They don't, no. Exactly. Right. Rare diseases exactly because right. there's no money there. There's no so, money there. Right. Yeah. So, so you guys are kind of a bigger community altogether. Yeah. So when it didn't doesn't work for Prater Willie, or maybe they're trying it with Prater Willie, let's be like, okay, well, let's also try it on like these other hunger related right. um yes. uh, disorders. And yeah, it worked for Did it help? Did it yeah. help? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> We knew it was blinded and my auntie, my, she's 83 now and she lives with us. And, um, she's like, he's on the study drug. He's oh, on the real wow. thing. He just said for the first time right. in his life, ah, I've had enough. I'm going to go play with my trains. Did it? Did you like stop what? what you were doing? And we're like, what? What? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. What? I mean, it was, you know, did it help that question? That's yeah. a very big understatement. It, uh-huh. it is life-altering. Life yes, it is life-altering life because uh-huh. you, you got to understand he's always in the state of starvation, always thinking of uh-huh. where his next meal is going to be or snack, yes. um, or how he's going to score. Right, and so <laughs> everything that he was learning at school or anything that we would teach with him, yeah. he would always sort of try to turn it into associate it with food associate it with food Uh everything Uh we would joke uh, with once we once we so once we got the diagnosis and let me back up there and and just to continue the chronological so um when he was in pre-k his teacher noticed that his right eye was kind of occasionally just um wandering Mm. and then we asked i'm like i never noticed that but um then we asked like uh everett's oma um my mom his grandma if she ever you she says oh yeah i think i've noticed that once or twice but didn't really think anything of it and And we're like we should get his eyes yeah so we took him to the 
had his eyes checked before. Ophthalmologist. Uh, and he's like, oh yeah, he's got a wandering eye. And so we'll just patch the good eye, make the, make that right eye. And I said, uh-uh. Work. Uh-huh. No, like all this stuff is on the right side. It seemed like his lungs were all tangled and it was the right side that would collapse. And I think um, I, I don't, the, the, the holes in his brain were on the right side. And I, I said, no. Um, and again, this is, this is her taking him to yeah. taking Everett to the ophthalmologist. And again, I would have been okay. But no. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, we did what he said while we yeah, waited right, to right. get in. But I researched right. uh, ophthalmologists and found yeah. that there was one at the University of Minnesota who specializes in ophthalmologic disorders that are also affect the the whole body. Right. And, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we learned later in life that blindness. Um, is rarely uh, alone. It always has friends. I mean, mm. it always comes with other other things. Other things. It's right. rarely uh, by itself. What um, is his acuity now? What is your son's acuity? He's blind. He, uh, is he he's. I mean, he's he can blind? see. He's legally. He's been legally blind for, for years. A few years. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Functionally, he's he's very. He's very blind. He's pretty blind, right? Um, he uh-huh. still can see like very close yeah, up. So- so he'll look at his phone if like you, this close up. Yeah, imagine like he doesn't wear his he's he wore glasses all through childhood and um until he just got to the point where he didn't need them anymore. And so if you just imagine closing your right eye, because now the brain's abandoned it. Oh, I'm sorry, I just hit the microphone. Now the brain's abandoned the right eye altogether. It's like, look, I've got time to focus on one of these eyes. I'm gonna pick the good one. And um and then hold your fingers right. in a little circle right. around your left eye and then make that cloudy and blurry. Right. That's what he can see. So the macula. So the center part of the eye is what you're talking about. And that's cloudy. Yeah. So he's that's cloudy. So he's and got how about a, peripherally? Like, how about his he has no vision? No, the peripheral vision is completely gone. It's, it's gone. gone down it's to. Gone. Which is also night vision. Yeah. Right. So yeah. as yeah. it gets dark, he can't see, yeah. can't see it's anything. completely black. When we step yeah. inside after being outside, mm. yes, um, he can't. he's, it takes him a long time to adjust. To right. adjust. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so back to, oh yeah. So, the, the so his visual field is, is very small and what he right. has is cloudy. Yeah. Blurry. So can he read? Yeah. Can he? No, no longer. He, can can't. Read. he yeah. stopped being able to read in sixth grade around thanksgiving what he can see uh, is cloudy he doesn't have any clue it's well no he well, does have he some acuity hold, there if he, he this is him this is him on his iphone oh wow you know he has to move stuff around hi pearl uh-huh. um, yeah he has to move stuff around in order to be able to see to see it in just the right place and it's it has just to be right in just the right place yeah and uh-huh. You know, from what we learned, it's not necessarily looking directly at something. So if I'm right. looking at this microphone, you might have to be offset a little bit to yeah. see. Which is um, such a weird thing because spot. that's it's, where, yeah. That mm-hmm. fine piece of vision. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yes. So, so, you know, I mean, before we got the diagnosis, I mean, he, he took part in T-ball. 
<laughs> and Funny. so he's so he's playing out in the field and somebody hits no, the ball. He was, he was the the quote unquote pitcher. Pitcher. He was right. in the pitcher position. Right. So yeah, this the ball comes to him and goes like right between his right legs. Right by his feet. We're like and we're the parents were all lined up against the fence watching right, and right. and myself and another parent, Jill, were like, what is he blind? Turns <laughs> out know? he kind of was. Turns out he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we go to the secondary, uh, yeah, we, we meet with her and she wants to do, uh, an ERG. Yeah. Cause she did a little functional test. She threw some quarters on the floor, dimmed the lights in the room and just said, Hey, you walk over there and get, get that, that toy. And cause he's four years old at this point. And, um, so he walked over and she's like, he didn't pick up one of those quarters. And then she says, hey, you want a quarter? And he's like, oh, yeah. So she picks it up off the floor and hands it to him. And then she's like, okay, why don't you come back over here? So she's indicated to him that there's a quarter on the floor. There might be more. But he didn't think of that. And he didn't see them when he came back. So, so, I mean, that, that was brilliant on her part, I think. And so she said she's very concerned that he might have what's called retinitis pigmentosa or uh-huh. rod cone dystrophy, meaning that the rods in his eyes are Which dying. is responsible for the peripheral. Yeah, yeah, the peripheral. Night vision. And the black and white. In the retina. In the retina. Yeah. And then, yeah, cones are your central vision. So the rods are dying faster than the cones. And, um, but he would need an ERG for that. And, and she was so wonderful. And tell us what is an ERG? Uh, Electroradial retinal gram. (laughs) We're not something it's an acronym for um, basically they send a pulse of light Mm -hmm. and then they read how long it takes the retina to identify that pulse of light. Okay. Yeah. So electroretinogram. Oh, there you go. Google. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Google. (laughs) Um, And, and, the uh, normal response would be um, light and then a big jump, big spike. And then um, and then darkness, a big drop. And then this light, you know, so it you should you should have these huge peaks and valleys. And um, Everett had sort of a, Right. wavy little line so and, he's, he's going to be put under to do this yeah because um, he was a child because he was like, a child you yeah. can do it when you're older you he has have to be put right. yeah i mean but so it was going to be what a half they hour told us yeah 15 it wasn't minutes, gonna be long. 30 minutes yeah and so we're looking at our watches of course yeah, right in the waiting room and 45 minutes yeah 45 an minutes, hour <gasps> an hour oh no hour 15 and, and then here she hour. comes at this point, you know, we're like very panicky. Right? Oh, yeah. My goodness. I, I would love, love this doctor too. She, um, yeah, she's, she's like Danish or, or um, scan. She was scan, one Scandinavian. of the Scandinavian countries. Um, and she had told us, she's like, Oh, you know, he should have this ERG, but it's yeah, no hurry. It's, you know, it's okay. Um, but you know what, I'm going to be going on vacation. So why don't we oh. schedule it for before I go rather than uh-huh. after? Right. So it was like, uh-huh. 
now in retrospect, I see she wanted it done right away, right. but didn't she want had to freak plan. us out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. But she didn't yeah. want to like sense some urgency in us. Yeah. Like, oh yes. my gosh, you got to have it right away. So yeah. it's a great approach. She, with oh, so uh-huh. fantastic. And um, so she comes out to talk to us after like well over an hour. And she says, she explained to us what we just said to you, how it's supposed to be up in you know, these huge peaks and valleys. And it's turning out to be this little like tiny sine wave. So small that they wanted to retool the the equipment. Oh, they they, they it. recalibrated oh. it. They took it all To down. make sure it was correct. Right. right. Because it was, it was so correct. off the it charts, right? so off. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And so then she sat us down and said, he has retinitis pigmentosa, but she says we, it's associated, it can be by itself or it can be associated with lots of different genetic disorders. And knowing that your son has an unidentified genetic disorder, she says, I bet this is going to be a big piece in the right. puzzle. Um, so in the waiting room, I call our geneticist and leave a message yeah. saying, Hey, uh, Everett has probably has retinitis pigmentosa. Um, does, can you, based on what you know of him, does that, does that help? Is that a, uh-huh. is that a piece of the puzzle? Right. And, yeah. um, the next day she called me and I was at work and I, I, I left to take her phone call and she asked me, she says, is he hungry all the time? I said, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's, he's ravenous all the time. And she said, does he, um, does he, this, does he, that, and, uh, and uh, the answer was yes to all these questions. And she says, I have. We'll have to do a test, but I'm fairly certain he has a genetic disorder called Bardet Beetle syndrome. It's very rare. And she says, and don't Google it. She says, I know Uh you're going to anyway, but let me just warn you the the pictures online are not what children with BBS look like or what people with BBS look like. And of course, the first thing I did when I went back to. work as I Googled it and just started sobbing, reading about it, reading that the median age to blindness is 15 years old, 15 years old. But I was happy that he wasn't going to be dead by 15, you know? So again, finding that positive and holding onto it. Um, I mean, at this point he was five, there was a long time between then or he was four. Well, no, by the time we got the, I'm sorry, um, he was, he was, he was five. That's right. Cause it was in the summers, right. It was in July, right after, um, uh, he had turned just turned five in June. And so this is on a Thursday and oh. it takes months and months to get in, to see her. She holds genetic ophthalmology clinic on Tuesdays in the in the ophthalmology clinic, um, where her and her residents and fellows, they, they see patients who have genetic disorders that are also, 
um, have ophthalmologic disorders associated with them. And that takes even longer to get into. And she says, can you, would you mind being here early on Tuesday morning? So she's going to have us in before any other patients. And she's also, would you mind if there are other people there? Fellows and 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 what it was is, yeah, it was like the fellows, all the residents, there's a bunch of med students. They all want to see Barde Beetle syndrome being diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and that's exactly. So she, that they had a blood draw and um, they said it, it, send it to the small company, actually in Marshfield, Wisconsin, again, uh, who at the time, you know, keep in mind, this is uh, 2011. So this is over. Oh no, this is, yeah, 2011. Mm-hmm. So they still, the technology, you still had, to, it was still done by hand. Mm-hmm. So this isn't, this is something that took uh, over a Sometimes, month. Right. Yeah. They probably so, had to sequence the full gene. Yeah. Right. Did they ask you guys for a blood sample? Because this is an autosomal recessive condition, yes. which we haven't yes. mentioned yet. So did they yep. do triotisting? They yep. tested you guys too? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it turns out, I don't remember which is which, but one of us has, um, like one of us, uh, the gene is absent and the other one, the gene is swapped with a different um, uh, piece of code. And so, yeah. And so he, and, and he had uh, what's BBS 10. So uh, what we now know is that there are tons of genes associated with Barty Beetle syndrome and Mm -hmm. um, BBS one is the most common BBS 10 is actually the second most common with both one and 10 have over 20% of the population. And then BBS four is the third most common, but I mean, I don't know that they knew more than 12 or 11 or 12 at the time. Something like that. Um, But like I said, when we, we went to the first BBS conference um, that families held, it it wasn't the first conference for them. It would be the first conference for us. And we had friends who um, had moved out to uh, North Carolina to carry and carry, right? Yeah. Which is right by Duke Raleigh and Duke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know how people say like, Hey, anything you need, (laughs) if you're ever out this way, are like be careful <laughs> remember when you said that <laughs> guess what can we stay with you and we have a greyhound uh, so we at that point we had adopted uh, we had one dog <laughs> we had a greyhound but those two also tend to you can't have just one so um later we would get another but at that time we just had boston and um, so yeah, we stayed with them and went to this conference at Duke and the first day of the conference, uh, was like, actually it was the evening before the first day of the conference where most people were staying at this hotel. And so they were having a, a get together in the lobby and I'm sorry, I'm looking, I keep looking away from the camera because, um, I don't know why, if it's like, I'm telling the story, but trying to look away from the information, I don't know, but, um, uh, 
we went to that to meet other people and every person I saw, and I, I apologize to the entire BVS community, but at that point I was a young mother with a child that I had envisioned to be tall and slim and was going to do, uh, be a swimmer because we've got swimmers on both sides of our family. I was a swimmer high school and he was going to be, you know, do all these sports and he's going to be really smart. And now I'm seeing all these people that I'm told BBS, um, people are stupid. They are not stupid, but they have low IQs. Uh, you know, educational and learning disorders, um, but they tend to be low IQ'd. Uh, they have low um, sex hormones. So um, they sometimes don't hit puberty until their 20s if they hit it at all. And uh, and they, they're blind mm-hmm. and they don't, they lo- the guys are bald. I don't know. So I saw these people, all these who looked ugly to me and um, I, I don't know, just everything that the blindness, the, the things that I do right now with my son and that I love doing, you know, where we walk, I, I, I always say I'm his seeing eye human. Cause he doesn't have a seeing eye dog. I'm a seeing eye human. Um, and uh, I still think it's funny after like, <laughs> I don't know how many years. That, that's a, it. that's a joke that won't get old. Yeah. That, that no, it doesn't. Right. It, yeah. Totally doesn't. Or he'll but at say this time, like, it sounds like it was a lot to just process. You're seeing all these people oh, for the first time. For the first time. Like, yeah. This this could be your future. This is exactly. your life. in that this moment. It's your life. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Right. I just lost it. I, I went in the corner sure. so that I wouldn't be an, an embarrassment sure. to my husband. And I just uncontrollably sobbed. Just yeah. could not stop crying until I saw my son playing with a little girl that I learned a few minutes later, who was, who was slim. Like my, my son was like probably the slimmest person there. And, um, I say my son, our son, son. um, and this little girl was slim and she was about his age, um, maybe four, five, Everett was five at the time. And, um, they had come from Canada because there's actually, uh, a higher percentage of, there's a more of a presence of VBS in, in Canada. I think probably, um, I don't know. There's a, there's more, there's Canada has some. So anyway, they had come down from Canada, uh, and, uh, her, her mom has her on a real strict food routine, I believe. And like, she works out every day to work out videos and, and she's five or whatever it was four or six. I don't know, but they were playing together and I thought, Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I stopped crying for like a minute. And then once I realized why I'd stopped crying, that I, it made me start crying again, that I was a horrible human being. And um, I was now disgusted with myself on top of being disgusted with everything else. And um, because I, I thought, what a self-centered um, just for, awful human being I was things, for thinking that these people were ugly and I didn't want my son to grow up looking like them. And that the reason I was happy for a few moments was when he was with a child who didn't look like them. 
But you also have to honor like your, yourself and your own process that it, it takes time to take in a diagnosis. And and he was right. very newly diagnosed. It sounds like yes. when we were going right. there because he was the yeah. same yeah. age. So Less you than know, six it's, months later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I so oh, appreciate yourself on the back yeah, of, and of being really so transparent just with know us. know how much you've been through and how strong and courageous and how much you've tackled this and made Everett's world a better place because yeah. of it. And it was at yourself on the back. It was seeing the the things we were told come to life. Right. Seeing it for real. People yeah. for real were blind. Not looking online. People were for real. Right. Had lower IQs. People for real were um how they say <laughs> Minnesota. They were different. <laughs> were sure, different. sure. So it's this process of grieving. I mean, ever since yeah, you yes. know, in utero, when we had that uh, yeah. initial uh, with the perinatologist uh, to to this, it was just it's a process of grieving. Now seeing yes. people that have this, and you know, it's the <laughs> the process for us is is developing, um, you know, uh, kind of redefining what's our norm right? What's our normal? Um, And And we've had to do that time and time again. Sort of your way forward. How are you going to make a way forward? So did you um, adapt your home to accommodate the vision loss? uh, Well, I I will say that the next day when we went to the conference and it was very different. Um, I was now at that point, seeing the beauty of it, people coming together. Uh We met a family. I probably should have asked Michelle first, but too bad. So sad. (laughs) We met a family who have the same last name as us. Wow. And we don't have a very common last name. No. I mean, alms. Are you related? Apparently not. Well, we thought for sure we, we must thought be. for sure, but they changed their name. Like they could identify when they would back in the family name, tree. Yeah, lesson, of Greg's family, and who knows? Could find where their name was changed. But we immediately, and they live in northern northwestern Illinois, and um, uh, eventually, uh, Everett would end up going to the Wisconsin School for the Blind, which is in Janesville, Wisconsin, which is right near the Illinois border. So when I would go to his school and stalk him, um, cause you know, that's what a healthy parent does, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Make sure that everything's okay. There's no creeps on campus, um, <laughs> except mom. But, uh, <laughs> and he's like, don't come to my, stop sitting in on my classes. I just wanted to see what he's learning and how he's being taught. So then the next day I had to sit with like my phone, you know, with the camera sticking around the corner and watch. <laughs> But it's okay. So uh, anyway, they only they were only an hour and a half away. So Michelle and I would get together almost every time, and she is on his list as as a cousin, and she she can come and pick him up um, because they are family now. She's one of my oh, best friends. That's um, amazing. Oh, wow. We call and each it, other cuz. Yeah, and it's BBS that brought you guys together. Yes, exactly. Together. Yeah, I mean, we've learned just so much from you you know, in this interview. And I just really want to thank you for being just so open and honest. Is there anything you'd like to leave with our audience? Oh my audience? gosh. I know we've, we've talked so much. Um, yes. I want to say, um, 
<laughs> so many stories. Well, I want to say one that um, the hunger uh, trumps the blindness. So oh. at one point, so we also, um, in the same way that we uh, stalked Dr. Hawes in order to get Everett, um, I shouldn't say stalked, uh, that we hounded Dr. We, I say we, <laughs> I hounded Dr. Hawes to get Everett to be patient 001 in the phase three trial. Um, we had the following conference was at, um, it was two years later, was at the University of Iowa. Uh, and um, they were doing research there that was translational and funded by Steve Wynn, because apparently he has retinitis pigmentosa. Um, And so then we found out that one of the researchers also sees patients like once a month. So Bill had made a video um, of everybody thanking Steve Wynn for of just like all these BBS people at tables and saying different things to him to thank him mm-hmm. for funding research that he didn't know helping all these people that he didn't know he was helping. Just like mm-hmm. the drug companies making a drug, aiming it for Prater Willie, but BBS community ends up benefiting from it. So, um, and then we were able then to get Arlene Drack's attention and get in with her. And she's been Everett's ophthalmologist ever since. And she is this close and Everett will be patient 001 when she gets gene therapy done for, oh, um, oh, for, uh, yeah, his vision. Um, and uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I can't recommend stalking, but you know, like just making connections is good. Um, uh, and anyway, so I had, I had asked Everett at one point, I said, you know, this is whenever it was still in the, in the trial for the, uh, set melanotide, which is now FDA approved in imsivery. Um, uh, when I asked Everett, I said, so what if Dr. Drax able to do the drug. And if you had to choose, like, what if you couldn't be in both studies at the same time? Would, which one would you choose? And he interrupted me. He knew what I was asking. And he said, I'd rather be blind than hungry. Um, really? That's wow. how much it affects. That's how much it affects life. Uh, and I think that's a really powerful statement because being blind Socks. It's very good socks. <laughs> it's, it's, it stinks. It's your it's your primary sense, and the world doesn't accommodate the world accommodates for hearing impaired far more than for visual impairment. When we had gone to Japan and um, they at the train stations or wherever you go in public, on the handrail underneath is braille, so you know where that staircase is going. There's nothing right. like that here. Um, anyway, okay. So another thing. Okay, so hunger trumps vision. Being blind stinks. Um, well, I, I would just I would just say you know anybody getting a diagnosis or being told, always question. Yep. Um, yeah. 
always question, but then also find your find your people. Find Find your your what? Support team. Yeah. Find your tribe. Find. You know, I I I heard that in um in one of the other podcasts, like that she was so emphatic about finding other people with it, and I I can't tell you like what a life changing um event that was, and you you feel like family yeah we, and we are Even though you're not related, is but yeah yeah right. we are family we get together we we plan our weeks at at bbs clinic together um we stay with each other we we have jokes about our even though our kids are all different ages um we you still see these incredible similarities and mm-hmm. um and we 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 try we collectively keep it positive. Mm-hmm. We collectively help each other. Um, I have a a sister in Alabama who uh, was at the S. She's much older than I am. Um, she was at the SSI office for something with her husband. Anyway, she come in just in casual life comes across a person who is uh, morbidly obese um, and blind. And she strikes up a conversation with, um, with the mother of this person and, and in doing so, um, they, she says, uh, well, my, my son has something you never heard of. It's called Barty beetle syndrome. And she's like, actually, I have heard of that. And she says, no, you have it. It's something different than what you think it is. She goes, oh no, my sister son has that. And Hmm. And this woman was like, started crying. And I think, I don't know this. My understanding is she was like blown away and she's had nobody to talk to. She didn't know where to go, who to talk to. She was, she had heard about Marshfield clinic, but insurance wasn't going to cover it. So they didn't know how they would get there um, to have her son evaluated. And she knew nobody else. Um, and this is in Northern Alabama. And so, um, she says as if, if it, if it's okay with my sister, can, um, she call you? And she's like, yes, please, please, please give her my, my information. So my sister right away calls me and gives her my number. And I talked with her for hours and because she never oh, talked to anybody else. That's wonderful. Community is so key. Yeah. And that's yes. one of the real missions of this It Happened yeah. to Me podcast is to build yeah. an empowered, supportive community. So I have to ask on behalf of our listeners, because you are a wealth of information, strength, determination, and drive. And I want to know, um, do you have any advice for parents of undiagnosed diseases? Uh during their diagnostic odyssey and are there any resources you found to be helpful all when you knew there was something but before there was a diagnosis um i i don't know i mean there's there are tons of resources out there but i would we just celebrated the positive in any, right. anything and everything and well, while I, it took its natural course i guess i would say you know consider what you think whether they have older siblings or not or if you're a first-time parent, consider what you think normal is and whatever seems not normal, work towards that. For Forever, before we were diagnosed, we always knew you had a big appetite. 
we always tried to curb that though not just let him sort of go at it um yeah because it just didn't feel normal and then sharing that with with uh, folks in healthcare. wow then i gotta ask as a final question if you knew back then um before your diagnosis what you know now are there any questions you'd ask anything to put in your toolbox that you would ask to make your journey shorter, safer, um, manageable is the wrong word, but more livable. Um, I don't, I don't know I do know that many people now are diagnosed in utero. Um, it's just genetics have come a long way. And it's on carrier screening. So people are having um, a long list of conditions. Yes. It's usually on there. So that, that's a big change that I, I've seen in the, in the field. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually speaking of um, carrier screenings. <laughs> this is so funny. Um, and communities being small and being able to reach out and connect with somebody. So my friend, Mary, who's been a, a staple in the BBS community for a long time, in fact, when I looked it up on um, Nord, uh, her phone number and her email address are the contacts for wow. BBS yeah. Family Association, which is really wow. funny. She must get a lot so, of calls then. <laughs> so when she, uh, when her daughters, she has two, she has six children, one has passed and two of her children have um, BBS and oh my her goodness. girls, uh, and just again, showing that like siblings, exact same genetics, one needed a kidney transplant right away. The other one's kidneys function fine. So, I mean, they can be so different so variable. and be, I mean, siblings, exact same genes, exact same. Exact same mutations that they mutations, inherit from yeah, each parent. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but anyway, so when she went to learn, when they got the diagnosis uh, at, at some point, she was given the name of, I think they were living in Texas at that point, um, her husband's in the Air Force, so they move around. Uh, she was given the name of a woman named Mary who lived in um, Mobile and the phone number. And she's like, that's me. <laughs> no she was way. given her own sure name so. and phone number wow. as a reference. <laughs> so oh, geez. That's years, so yeah, it's so funny. Years later, when her daughter uh, got married and was getting ready to, they were thinking about having children. She thought, you know, maybe I should be screened and to see if I'm a carrier. Cause that, that's a, that's a life changer. She has, you know, younger siblings who have BBS and um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, so she gets screened and the genetic counselor, um, when they find out that it's positive says, you know what, it, you know, and then talks with her and then in the end gives her a name and phone number of somebody that she can talk to. And when she looks at it, she's like, that's okay. I already have my mom's number in my phone. <laughs> so again, Mary Morris being her, her own daughter was referred to her. She was referred to herself <laughs> and her daughter was referred to her and, and, and really appropriately. So she, um, she, had Dr. Haas was a, a resident um, in the Air Force when Ashley was born and they followed him through his entire career. He just retired last May. 
mm-hmm. at Marshfield Clinic, and he's the one who made Marshfield the center of excellence for BBS. He devoted his career to helping people with Bardet Beetle syndrome, and he is probably the most selfless person I've ever met in my entire life, and just an incredible, incredible human being. Oh, to your question, to your Sorry. question earlier, I would add on, um, you know, when it comes to would we have done something different mm-hmm. um, had we been diagnosed earlier, I think we would have certainly done more um, around vision. You know, we, we've lived with this idea that he's going to potentially be completely blind around 15. And now that we're walking that journey, um, it's far different. Um, seeing it, knowing it is different than seeing it. Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry for the pun there with seeing it, but, um, but (laughs) I think we would have done more experiential things for him to see more, experience more, to have even more knowledge base when he eventually would go blind. Well, and focusing on the positive again, we say there's nothing so horrible that you can't find something positive in it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. and we blindness, blindness is horrible, but what's positive we know we know that you're going blind so let's go see stuff so we went to nasa when he still could see well enough we went to the grand canyon we went to the meteor crater not far from there um we uh we still have plans he can't really see stuff anymore but um we're gonna go to our next our next stop i think is uh, potentially the great big um, redwoods in California where he can feel that, you know, just like walk around that. that tree. How many times with your arms yeah. out? Um, I and wanted him to see the rainbow trees in, right. in Hawaii, but. Uh, and, and so, you know, finding our tribe as a family, you know, finding people with uh, BBS, we've also helped, um, him find his tribe, right? So he goes to the school for the blind and visually impaired here in Wisconsin, uh, soon to be actually going to Perkins School for the Blind in Massachusetts and Boston. Um, he has really found his tribe uh, with other blind and low visually or visually impaired mm-hmm. um, folks. Yeah. So. What, when, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But oh no, I was just gonna say that is so moving and just to really recognize how important that support is and it can make all the difference in the quality of Everett's life and your life as his caregivers. And I just, I I wanna say Bonnie and Will, thank you for appearing on It Happened to Me today because you have been inspirational, enlightening and just amazing caregivers. I hope you do, we said. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Babe, you know, people say that they, you can't, they couldn't do it, but you, you do, you yeah. do it because you, you have to. And you do you it, for, but not everybody and, goes on podcasts and share their journey. So I think that's the part that, because right. yes, I, I I hear you. It's like, th- this is what happened in your life and everything. And, but then to to take that, as you said, finding the positive in it, connecting with more yeah. people and, and sharing your experience for the, the people that have rare diseases that listen to the show that are affected by low vision or blindness, that are healthcare mm-hmm. providers that maybe in grad school and they're like, what can I learn to be a better provider? So all the different mm-hmm. people that are listening to this that are really being impacted. So thank you. 
Right. And I, I do want to say Thank one more you. thing. We Thank are you. working on, um, so there was a BBS family association um, that turned into a Bardet Beetle syndrome foundation. So like it was no longer really the family association. Um, so the foundation, they do amazing things for raising money for research, but we, um, so Mary, I'm good friends with, <laughs> I asked her, um, I called her before going, coming on saying, can I use your story? <laughs> can I say your name? <laughs> um, so her, and we, we, we would always talk about, we need this, we need this, we want this, we want this because parents are fighting in other States for their kids to be able to, um, get, get the service vision they support. Need, right. Um, they say, well, your child can see fine. They're like, yeah, but they're not going to be able to see fine. So, um, we got that as I've started learning, um, Kane and, um, Braille when he was in kindergarten. So as soon as we enrolled him in the public school system, uh, other families, they had to wait until their children couldn't see anymore before they could get that support, which is horrible. Um, how do I get IEP support. How do I do this? And um, we also, where do you find pants to fit your child? You know, <laughs> that the crotch isn't down to the knees. And then people find something and they share that or then their child outgrows it and then they ship it to them. And so we decided that what we needed was another family association, something where small amounts of money can go a long way. And we did legally form um, the BBS family. We don't have anything yet because our lives are just upside down right now. We uh, bought a home in Massachusetts so that Everett could go to Perkins. Mm -hmm. And we're in the process of selling our home here uh, in Wisconsin. And um, so just between that and jobs and trying to pay two mortgages and just life and efforts and, and, and giving attention to our child. He comes first right now, I guess, before anybody else, he, he gets my attention and time right now. Um, but, uh, Pearl is the mascot. I already had, a <laughs> a graphic, uh, graphics made of her and, uh, and at some point we've got a profession, we have all these things lined up. We're going to have braille buddies where kids can braille to each other um, and mail it, you know, so who, who gets physical mail anymore? So, but braille is physical. So I, those screen readers are awful. Um, we have all these things we want to do. We want to be able to set up and pay for the cost of shipping for people to send something to someone else and receive it. And, um, a lot of ideas, but, we have lots uh, and lots of ideas. Yeah. And as we they just happen, need to make let it us happen. know because we can Absolutely. update the blog post yeah. and show notes oh, for this great. episode. So if people are listening yes. to this in 2025, yeah. they can look and, and click the links. <laughs> yeah. so oh, awesome. yeah. website, if you have a web link or something yeah. to not uh, yet, but we'll we can we'll post update. it on the episode. We well, will No, we are rooting. We are rooting for you. Thank you. Thank you. We are all in there with you and rooting for you and congratulations for what you've done for Everett. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank he you. is thank the highlight so of all of our lives. He's, he's six, two. 
I think he's handsome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, and when he likes something, he loves it. Yeah. He still goes big or goes home. Um, <laughs> and I love that about him. Uh, so many things that I think he wouldn't have or wouldn't be if he didn't have BBS. And he wouldn't um, have, if he didn't have you. Well, yeah, he would this still be true. weird, though, if he, you know, <laughs> being related to me, for sure. Thank you so much for but having thank us. You. Thank you for your, your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. That's ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact forum on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. Again, that's ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would also really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating review on your podcast app, probably Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenges community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. Steve Holsenbach is our media engineer and co-producer. Myself, Kier Deneen from DNA Today, is our marketing lead and co-producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone and neither are you.